Welcome to the Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast, where I cover current topics in my PTA program and break the information down into bite-sized pieces. I'm your host, Tim Murney. Let's get ready to learn. Hey guys, so here we are, the first episode of the Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast. Um, I'm excited to get moving forward with this, even as I was preparing for this episode, I was already learning a lot of new things and able to concrete it in my mind, so I know even if just for myself, it's very helpful to go through all this information. My hope is that it'll be a good study tool for you guys while you're driving to listen to, and that it'll help do the same thing and concrete those concepts and topics we're covering in your mind. So... This podcast episode will be on vital signs in the cardiopulmonary rehab class we have going on. When we look at the lecture, we see four main objectives. First one is how to take vitals. So we'll be looking into that. Uh, We'll be looking at what do changes in vitals mean? What are those things that are... Um, around the patient and connected to the patient, the lines and tubes, that's important to know, and then also the need-to-know lab values. So in this episode, what we'll primarily be covering is the vital signs and what those mean. Um, We'll start off, um, so this whole lecture is kind of based upon the idea of acute care physical therapy. Margie talked about some myths and about what acute care physical therapy really is. And she discussed um, two important things about acute care with physical therapy. These are important things to know, so keep these in mind. First is that the PT understands equipment and protocol. That's a big takeaway. We need to understand the equipment we're working around. And the protocol, if something were to go wrong, or if their vital signs change. That's an important thing to know. With the primary goal of acute care physical therapy is for them to be discharged. We want to get them out of there so we can, they can progress to the second phase of rehab. Moving on to vitals. So what are vitals? They're a form of assessment. Um, they're a way you can set a baseline for the patient knowing their normal vitals. You can see what is typical for them and what's hard for them, what's easy for them. Um, Why should you focus on vitals? Vitals are something that we need to be looking at because they help us know if the patient is feeling well, if the therapy is being effective or if it's hurting them or um, if we're pushing them too hard, things like that. So vitals are very important. We've gotten that covered. We're going to move on to what are the vital signs. I'm going to give you guys a second to see if you can list all of them in your out loud or in your minds. So there's four of them. There's heart rate, blood pressure, oxygen saturation, and respiratory rate. Margie includes two others, which are pain and gait. And those are important as well in good ways we can tell um, how the patient's health is. But the four main ones are heart rate, blood pressure, oxygen saturation, and respiratory rate. So we're going to be looking at, when we look at these, 
sorry if you hear that rustle of paper, um, we're going to be looking at what's normal for a patient, how to read that vital sign, and the implications changes in those vital signs has on you as a PTA. So first, for heart rate, we'll start with heart rate. Normal heart rate is 60 to 100 beats per minute. The way you measure this is by putting your finger on an artery and counting the beats per minute for one minute. Or you can count for 30 seconds and then multiply it by two. So that's the manual way of doing it. The, the monitor way, which is just looking at the machine, is just to watch it and make sure it has a consistent wave. Um, if it does have a consistent waveform, then you're good to go. But if it looks irregular and not consistent, if it speeds up and slows down, then you don't want to trust that monitor. So if you see any changes for heart rate changes, these are some things that, some rules of thumb. Changes in your heart rate. So things that are okay are if you have an increased heart rate with increased workload or if you have a decreased heart rate with decreased workload. And if you follow that basic premise for all of the vital signs, you're typically in a good area because as you do more, you need more. So if you're working harder, you're going to need to have more blood pumped. Thus, your heart rate will increase. Kind of common sense, right? So when we're watching a patient's heart rate, we need to acknowledge our patient and see their medical history, their age, all these things that take into account what their heart rate will be. So if you have a 70-year-old man, is his heart rate going to be higher or lower than average? Well, his heart rate's going to be higher because he's old, he's in the elderly population, and he's also a man, and men ha are predispositioned to higher heart rates. If a patient gets upset at you, are you going to see an increase in heart rate? The answer is yes. When you have an emotional stress, then your heart rate is going to go up, and you know that. When you get mad or angry, your heart rate starts pumping, and your adrenaline goes. So... um. Moving on to respiratory rate, which is our second vital sign. That is 12 to 18 respirations per minute. That's for an adult. So I have a question for you guys. If I breathe in and hold my breath, is that a respiration? The answer is no, that is not a respiration. In order to be a respiration, there needs to be an inspiration and then an exhalation, and that is one respiration. So like I said, the respiratory rate is 12 to 18. Anything that is below 10 is considered bradypnea, which is slowness of breath, and anything above 20 is tachypnea, which is quick breathing. The way to take your respiratory rate is to take their heart rate and then act like you are continuing to take their heart rate, but instead take their respiratory rate because you do not want them to be aware that you are taking their respiratory rate because they will change their breathing. And to do that, you count for 30 seconds how many times they breathe and then multiply that by two.
If you're doing it by monitoring on a machine, then you just want to, again, ensure a consistent waveform, very similar to the heart rate. You just want to ensure that the waveform is consistent and not everywhere. So that is for the heart rate and respiratory rate. We have that down. Now onward to blood pressure. So what is blood pressure? If you don't already know, it's basically the vascular resistance to blood flow. So a way to think about this is, does blood circulate well like a pure river or like a clean river that's strong and powerful? Is it, is it flowing well? Is it strong? Or is it coming out like honey out of a jar? You know, is it slow like molasses? Um, so there's their pressure built up and those things. So um, blood pressure is kind of in that same sphere of things. A normal blood pressure is 120 systolic pressure to 80 diastolic pressure. Anything above is either um, pre-hypertension or hypertension itself. So if you have anything above 120 over 80, then it's considered hypertension or pre-hypertension. When you're reading blood pressure, how would you go about that? So I'll just run you through how I would do this. Um, when If I want to take a patient's blood pressure, this is the route I would need to follow. Um, first, I would have my patient in a sitting or supine position, not prone. I wanted them to be sitting up most likely. And I want their arm to be at the level of their heart. They're going to have a relaxed elbow, not flexed or fully extended, but in a slightly extended position. And there should be no muscle contraction because... The muscle contraction will actually cause an increased blood pressure reading. So that's something we need to make sure we tell our patients to relax. So I would walk in, get them in a sitting or supine, put the cuff on their um, right or left bicep, whichever one, doesn't matter. And I would find the brachial artery, and I would make sure that cuff is uh, pretty snug but not too tight. Then I would find their brachial artery and put the stethoscope on it. Um, I would close that valve by twisting that knob with my fingers, making sure it's closed, and then I would start pumping. I would start squeezing that um, pump till it got to around 180 millimeters of pressure. Once it's at that 180, I will slowly release. And as I'm releasing, I'm listening for any heartbeats while that, while that stethoscope is on that brachial artery, I'm listening. And the moment I hear a first clear heartbeat, that's my systolic blood pressure. Then I keep on going, and the moment I hear my last clear heartbeat, that's my diastolic pressure. So when you're taking blood pressure, you just want to have a procedure, because there's a lot of things that can change. Um, if, if they change, if they flex their arm, if they're not relaxed, if they're not sitting in the same position you took it last time, then it'll change, and so you want to make sure you have a procedure to get a norm. You also want to know your patient, their medical history, if they have any medications, because medications can drastically alter their blood pressure, as well as disease can. So as a PTA, you must check um, with those things and make sure you're understanding that. So next we have, and finally, the oxygen saturation. And oxygen saturation is just basically, you have these blood cells, this hemoglobin inside of you. And that hemoglobin carries oxygen. And there's some hemoglobin that doesn't carry oxygen, but it's a very small percent. And that's why 95 to 100% is a normal oxygen saturation level. 
because most of your blood cells are oxygenated. And this is measuring arterial blood gas. And that's important for you guys to realize. And I, it's something I learned while I was doing this is it's arterial because the only blood that you are concerned about is the blood that is carrying to your muscles and supplying oxygen to those muscles. And that's arteries. So it's an arterial blood gas measure. And it should be around 95 to 100%. Some people are lower, some people are near that higher range of 98 or around there, but um, as long as it's around 95 to 100, that's typical. Um, You have something called hypercapnia, which is too much CO2, which basically means not enough oxygen as well, Um, and not enough oxygen is referred to as hypooxemia. Um, And There's ways to measure this. You can measure it by an invasive form, which is basically a dread blow or a blood draw. Um, and that measures the arterial blood gas. They actually have to take some blood out, send it to a lab, get it tested, and it'll show how much oxygen is in that blood. Um, then there's a non-invasive form, which is your pulse oximetry. Um, and that's good too, but it's not 100% accurate, so you kind of have to be aware of that. It's a good diagnostic tool in the moment, but it's not 100% accurate. So there we have it, guys. There's your vital signs. Um, When you're taking these, you just really want to be aware of how they will change with your patient when they do activity. And remember, the basic guideline is if you are doing an increased workload, then their vital signs will most likely increase. If they're doing more exercise, their heart rate will increase. Their systolic blood pressure will increase their respiratory rate will increase um, and hopefully their oxygen saturation will either stay the same or increase. But if they decrease their exercise, all those things will decrease as well because your body's adjusting to that change. If anything happens where you increase your workload and the respiratory rate or heart rate or blood pressure decreases, that's a, that's a bad sign. That's a basically... Your body is not adapting and actually going the reverse. So you're getting, you're not getting what you need in that moment. And even though you're putting an increased burden on you, you're not getting what you need to complete that burden. So it's very dangerous. And kind of just thinking about it, you know, um, understanding that you need more oxygen if you are going to do 20 push ups um, or handstand or something like that. So. Those are kind of the basics of that first part of the lecture. I am going to continue to do daily podcasts if I can to cover each of the individual classes we're taking. And hopefully this is helpful to you guys. I apologize for the unprofessionalism and the uh, bad quality, but I hope it's helpful to you somewhat um, and that it's beneficial to you guys. So... That wraps up this episode, and I hope it was helpful. If you guys ever have any feedback or any ways I can improve my podcast, feel free to hit me up and send me a message explaining how you think I could improve. I'm always open to feedback and would love the constructive criticism. I appreciate you guys listening in, and I hope you tune in next time for tomorrow's episode.